Hello, everyone. Today we are going to be talking about artists and taxes. But first, if your studio habits need a kick in the butt, Art Prof has everything you need tutorials, critiques, and professional development. <laughs> so, Clara, can you tell us about your tax experience this year? Well, we just want to start with a reminder that Lauren and I, we are not accountants. And if you want really accurate tax advice, you need to speak to a CPA who is a certified public accountant. We'll give you the overview, what to consider, but the nuts and bolts, you really have to speak to an accountant. And also keep in mind that everybody's taxes are different. And you really do have to do your own research. Although I cannot believe this never gets talked about in art school. It's so bad, Clara. I'm in grad school, which is professional land for being an artist. You'd think that's the professional of the professional. It's not brought up at all. I had to go out and ask if we could do a workshop on it. And even then my teachers say, this is about making your work good. So it's still not talked about. This is a question I get asked a lot. If you want to have an income as an artist, do I need to form an LLC? The answer is no. The only reason you would need to form an LLC, which is a limited liability company, is if you are going to hire employees. So for example, ArtProf is an LLC. So the fact that I have a staff, I have to do payroll, that's when you do an LLC. Other than that, it is really not necessary. And keep in mind, what we're talking about is only US taxes. So those of you in Europe and Africa and everything, the specifics won't be the same, but I'm sure every country has its own version of that. So keep that in mind. Lauren, have you ever thought, I need to form an LLC and get on top of it? Yeah, it sounds so official. And I have friends that have their own LLCs that they got help from an accountant to set up. And I think that it depends on what medium you're working in as well. For instance, Eloise, who used to work for ArtProf, she's a filmmaker. And film people have a lot of different liability things to think about when she works in documentary. So that, that was a reason to put together an LLC. But I'm a painter. I just make paintings and sell them to people. I don't necessarily need that. It's pretty straightforward. <clears throat> Tell us in the chat, who here has done taxes as an artist who here has no idea what we're talking about and really needs help with taxes? How many people have never done it but are thinking, oh, down the line, this is probably something I need to take care of? Let's talk about Schedule C. This is the form that the vast majority of artists can do. And this is basically something that you file with your personal income taxes and you file as a sole proprietorship, which means you're one person. 
And this is called profit or loss from business. This is what the form looks like. And Lauren, you pretty much file a Schedule C every year, right? Yes, I have done a Schedule C every year since I graduated from undergrad, maybe even before then. But I don't usually fill out the form like this. This is a scary looking form. I usually go through an (laughs) online tax service provider like TurboTax or Tax Act or one of those because they really walk you through every single step. But if you are starting and you don't need to do this straight out the gate, but I, because odds are you're probably not making a lot off of your artwork when you first start out. But I think that it's still good practice because you don't want to suddenly be making, I don't know, 20,000, 100,000, a million dollars and not know how to do it. That you got some eyes on you. (laughs) So start early because it will be simpler and you will, you will gain an understanding every year that you do it. Basically, what you have to do on a Schedule C is you get started by calculating your gross sales and receipts. Most artists have multiple income streams because, for example, I have this really scary looking spreadsheet where I just list for ArtProf multiple streams of revenue because none of our revenue streams are gigantic, but they do add up if you have several. And so this is something to think about too, just from a pro development point of view is where are my income streams actually coming from? So Lauren, we offer portfolio critiques for purchase. This is an income stream, online shop sales. I know for you, that's a big revenue stream, right? Yes, less so than it than it used to be, but absolutely that's my passive income and it, has gotten me by year to year. It's about a third of my income generally. So (laughs) I have to report it. Our prof also offers artist calls because a lot of people really need customized advice. The videos are oftentimes not enough. And so these are one-on-one consultations. I have actually talked people out of an MFA because they thought that they had to get an MFA And then after speaking to them, I realized this is not a good fit for you. So those are really helpful. Passive income is great, isn't it? (laughs) I love it. I love it so much because so what we mean by passive income is the the material, the design, the product, it already exists in the world and we just need to send it to you. Or in this case, what they they print it for you, right, Clara? Yeah, you cut the muck. I don't lift a finger. Basically, once I list something, you have to write the description and set the price. It doesn't take that long. It just does itself. I don't have to buy any hard copy things and ship them. It's all done. It's fantastic. Now that said, we're not making $10,000 on March a year. It's not like it's a huge (laughs) amount of money, but it's something. And for us, if we make an extra $100 a month, that's a big difference for our prof. <laughs> I know it sounds pathetic, but it's true. Yeah. <laughs> and Lauren, oftentimes you will get paid to run a panel or to give a lecture. I do a lot of those at conferences for pro development. I did a lot of faculty training. 
for a lot of colleges on remote learning. And some of the places will send you a 1099. Can you explain what that is? I haven't gotten a ten, many 1099s in my life, but basically if you are a contractor, that means that you do work for someone else or some other company, but you are not their employee, they will send you a little form that says you made income with them and then you use that on your taxes. Is that right, Clara? Yeah, it's basically the bigger organizations that will do this. So for example, if the Wellesley Arts Association has me do a lecture, some will send a 1099, others don't, in which case I have to report it on my own. Blick will send us stuff when we have done live streams and judging for them. And so for me, I end up with like 10, 1099. I have so many. And my taxes are complicated because I have two kids. I have the Schedule C. I have LLC for Art Prof. And so I just hire a CPA because I can't deal. <laughs> do you do CPA or do you do turbo no. like that? I mean, my my situation is uh, significantly simpler. I file as a single person. I just have the Schedule C, really. I don't really do so many different types of income streams as you have. Mostly, it's just artwork sales and some lectures. But I'm an employee at ArtProf. I'm an employee at my other job. And that's much more. Oh, and I'm a student, so I have to do student stuff, too. Ginger Saul is asking, does YouTube send these? Yes, we get a 1099 from YouTube, from Patreon. We also have Amazon affiliate links and we have passive income from there. The place that we do merch does that as well. And I pretty much know what to expect at this point, but they send them out early. I usually by the end of January, I've received all of the 1099s that I'm going to get. Seven Angelic says, do you in the U.S. get to deduct any RRSP contributions on your taxes? I don't know what that is. Can someone explain what that is? Is that like having a, an IRA? That was another thing I thought of, retirement. But that's not, that's not really in the art field. That's just a, another thing. Or if you invest in the stock market. Talk to your CPA. That's the only way to get an accurate description of what that is. But thank you so much for bringing that up. Ginger Saul says, taxes as an artist sounds so complicated. Well, it's very overwhelming the first time you do it. Your head is spinning. Was it like that for you, Lauren? Yeah, and that's why I say that even if you don't necessarily have to report it because you don't make enough starting out, I think that it's important to practice <laughs> because once you have the once you have your framework set up you're tracking your expenses you are tracking your income you're saving your receipts it is so much easier and you spend a significantly less amount of time either going back and forth with your accountant or doing it on your own i could do all my taxes in a day this year but it was only because <laughs> i had all this stuff set up previously and I'm very organized about it. And we'll show you Lauren and I have a crazy number of spreadsheets and so during the year as I accumulate expenses and make income 
I log everything. And so by the end of the year, my spreadsheet is full. And I just say to the accountant, oh, I spent $300 on office supplies. I think when you don't log things, that's when you get in trouble because you do every, like, I would never do, I would die if I did it that way. <laughs> Seven Angelic says retirement savings, like through your bank. Yeah, that doesn't have anything to do with the Schedule C, as far as I know. Yeah. Right? I don't think so. That's that's really a separate part of our tax forms, at least. Let's talk about invoices. Invoices are so important because if you don't send it, you don't get paid. And I seriously think, Lauren, based on our sponsors, that if I never sent an invoice, I would never, ever get paid because I'm constantly chasing people by the way, if you don't pay me by this date, I'm going to charge you a $50 fee for every day. And then they go, oh, I don't know how that happened. <sighs> infuriating. What's your experience with invoices, Lauren? I have a fancy invoice sheet like this, and I usually do that or call it a receipt or bill of sale for the sale of my artwork. I usually get the payment first or at least half the payment first. So I don't have to track it before I send artwork. You're not supposed to send artwork before you receive payment. So I try to track, I don't have to track anybody down is what I mean. But I wish that I had the guts to be able to do what you do in that circumstance. I don't know why this is difficult. I sent you an invoice, cut the check. It's not hard. It infuriates me, which is why the business side of being an artist, it can be really taxing. That this really <laughs> <laughs> you, you really have to be on top of this. Do you find that it's a lot of work, Lauren? Oh, it's so much work. I spend more time doing admin than making artwork, sadly. I mean, it's important because I need the money to then be able to buy the supplies to do more artwork and to live, but it is part of being an artist. Sonnet is asking, what do you do about retirement if you're an artist Ooh, I or know. health insurance? So in the U.S., what you can do is you can set up a Roth IRA, which is basically a or a regular IRA, honestly, which is basically a retirement fund that you put money into whenever you feel like it. That money goes into the stock market, usually in a series of index funds is the most popular. So a little bit of everything in the market. And then you just let it sit there. And if you have a Roth IRA, you don't actually have to report anything on your taxes because I think that money gets taxed as it goes in. So the, the regular IRA is, a, is, is different. I think you have to report that. I'm not super sure. Like, again, you want to talk to someone who knows a lot about these things. I just have one. I don't know the ins and outs. But for health insurance, I can say, too, you can go through the Affordable Care Act, whatever it is in your state. You report your income. Generally, you have to send like a spreadsheet for your self-employed income. And you can get health insurance based off of how much you make that way. For clarification, thank you, Blue. 
A registered retirement savings plan, RRSP, is the Canadian version of a tax-deferred IRA. Yeah, and the whole thing about an IRA that a lot of people don't realize, you need to set it up when you're young. I set up mine when I was 23, right after art school. And the concept, in theory, <laughs> is that you put money in it every year and it accumulatively grows. And by the time you get older, it, in theory, should be a significant <laughs> amount of money that you can retire somebody with. Not put in a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been really good about it these past few years, Clara. I started when I think I was 28 and didn't know how to do it. So I lost a year or two, but now I'm so proud of myself. I mean, the market's down right now. I'm not looking at it. You're not supposed to look at it, but I, I like having one and being an adult. JD says a Roth IRA, you pay the taxes when you put it in but it's tax-free when you take it out during retirement. A traditional IRA, you pay taxes when you take it out in the future during re retirement. And that's a decision is different for everybody. I think a lot of people are doing a Roth IRA for that reason, because not having to pay taxes when you actually take out the money is a big deal. All right, paying quarterly. What's going on here, Lauren? There are, I don't know if this is for every state or federal, but paying quarterly is when you pay taxes every quarter on your income versus once every year. Because if you're paying, if you're paying taxes on that self-employed income, usually when you're paying taxes at an employee, a place where you're an employee, they're automatically taking out of your paycheck. But you're not taking anything out automatically as a self-employed person. So that bill, that tax bill can get really huge by the end of the year. And by paying quarterly, that's supposed to break it up so you can actually afford it and remember to do it. And you can get fined if you make over a certain amount and don't pay quarterly. So that's the other thing you got to be careful of. Check with your state. On the other hand, there's this awesome thing called deductions, which is the expenses that you can claim on your business. And this is going to save you so much money. If you don't declare any expenses, you're going to get taxed on everything. And the deductions, they're basically expenses. Anything that is related to your business as an artist, you can write it off. So for example, this is my spreadsheet. So I have a list of categories, which are what you would list on the actual tax form. You write down, I made, I paid <laughs> my lawyer $3,000. I paid $2,000 in art supplies. And this is where you got to log during the year because it's a mess if you don't do that. So Lauren, I'm always buying supplies for staff. Remember times five because there's <laughs> Many yeah. of us. What are some of the things I've had to buy for you for ArtProf? Well, this ring light that is making my face so pretty right now. This <laughs> microphone, which allows you guys to hear me. The camera and the lighting equipment used to light our um, our other things. I've got a, a, a what do you call it? That that phone holder. 
Different, different situations. It's mostly camera stuff, really. Sometimes you'd get us supplies too. Train tickets sometimes. Yep. Postage. It can be anything and everything. For example, if I'm in an art class and I'm teaching the class and it's my studio and Matthew Good is in my class, he needs an easel to work on during class. And so I can write off that easel that I purchase. If I buy art supplies like charcoal, all that stuff can get written off as an expense. Now, there's other stuff you can write off like dues and subscriptions. We have so many monthly fees at our prof. We got to pay for an email list, which goes through MailChimp. I had to buy VideoLeap for a lot of the staff so they could do editing on their app. We have to pay to host ourprof.org. We got to pay for the podcast, TubeBuddy. We have to pay a fee to Flickr so that we can have that free photo collection. It's free for you. <laughs> you can use our photos for free as long as you credit our profit is not free for us. And these expenses, they add up. Have you found that, Lauren? Yes, but the one thing that I take comfort in with expenses is that they, I can write them off when it comes to taxes. So I feel like it's almost like having a credit card where you spend money on the credit card, but you get a little bit back. JD is asking, Lauren, you mentioned you have another job. I assume they take out social security taxes, but if you're only an artist, they have to pay that too on their own to get the benefits in retirement, right? Yes, I'm pretty sure. In order for you to be able to get social security and all that, you need to, you need to pay in. And that's complicated. I don't know much about that because you're right. I have these other two jobs that are paying in for me. With expenses, people don't realize how many things count towards expenses. People don't know that, oh, if I buy some envelopes, that's an expense. If I'm cleaning my studio and I buy a mop, that's an expense. I hire my lawyer to write legal forms for the LLC, even buying stamps. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of wonderful if you are an artist living your art life, because being an artist is a lifestyle, you can, <laughs> most of your life, you can write off. This is this is a screenshot of, of my expense list, the way I keep them. I do a little bit differently than Clara. I color code them and I do them both by month and by quarter. And this is a tame part of my year. As you can see, January through March, it's a bit slow, but it really goes crazy. Miriam says, should we have proof and receipts? I think you're asking for the supplies that we use. Absolutely. You have to keep everything because if you don't have that, and let's say you get audited, you're in big trouble. You got to have those receipts. I just have manila envelopes. When I go to the post office, I get a receipt, I stick it in there. The other stuff where I get an online receipt, which is an email usually, I will just take a screenshot of it, download it, and I'll put it into my computer. But this stuff is really important. It seems like all this minutia but it's not because those art supplies, it adds up by the end of the year. It does. 
It does. The a lot of the times when I'm doing my taxes, I'm actually really proud <laughs> if I can actually pay tax from my art sales because it means that my expenses didn't <laughs> didn't outweigh my income. Meals and entertainment. People don't know most of the time that if Lauren and I go out and we get Bailey's ice cream, <laughs> Irish cream, that was our favorite thing to yes. do when I was in Massachusetts and dried strawberries and we <laughs> talk about art prof. Hey, Lauren, are you going to be on the stream next week? <laughs> yes, I will. That counts as a work meeting. If I'm trying to break enigma and I'm in Britain, I'm trying to figure out how to break the German code and I'm out with Karen Knightley and Benedict and we talk about art prof. You can write that off. <laughs> Entertainment is a little bit confusing for people. And it's not, oh, I went to a rock concert and, oh, I had fun. It's more if you have a client and you entertain them and you have tickets to the next game because you're trying to get them to give you all your money. That's more a lawyer thing. And most artists don't have to do entertainment. Have you ever listed that, Lauren? I am very careful about putting anything into meals and entertainment. I want to make sure that I have really good documentation of the event and what it's for if I do do that, because I feel like it's very, that's very slippery. And I am worried about getting audited, even though I don't make that much. So I, I tend, I've only done meals and entertainment maybe a couple times for a big thing like a gallery opening where I buy 20 bottles of wine. That seems appropriate and easily documentable. Sonnet says, it seems like most artists need a part-time job on the side to make ends meet. I could be wrong. Oh no, that's extremely common. In fact, the advice I give people is listen, being a full-time artist, it's not all it's cracked up to be. A lot of people think, oh, that's the holy grail. And if I am a full-time artist, I am amazing. You're going to be doing 60% of your time is not making art. People think if I'm a full-time artist, I get to make art all the time. You don't. <laughs> no, you really don't. <laughs> Other things outside services, for example, the Flickr collection, we have to pay a monthly fee, your phone. That's a big part because actually, I think most of the time my phone is used for business. What about you? Yeah, I have not reported my phone actually. Oh, it was because up until not too long ago. No, it's not. Sorry, I had to think about this. I'm on a family plan. And I feel like it's weird trying to sort out what I pay because the bill doesn't go to me. So I haven't put anything down for a phone. But when I bought a new computer, I did do that, which is a tool more than $500. We can talk about that later. Tools and equipment. Now, this is a little bit confusing. If the tool is less than $500, it counts as an expense. If it's more than $500, it counts as what's called a business asset listing. And we'll get to that later. Software. I have to buy the Adobe Suite for the staff. 
to make sure they can have Photoshop so we can use it on live streams. And freaking Adobe makes it a monthly subscription. <laughs> as it's so to expensive too. I hate so it. <laughs> it's really bad. And any office supplies, if I go to Office Max and I buy some paper clips, that's absolutely worth it. What about travel? Yes, travel is my favorite one. I have a car and I do a lot of trucking back and forth with my car. And my car is very expensive. <laughs> you don't have to just do it with a car. You can do plane, train, taxi, Uber, any of these you're using it for an art-related thing, you can, you can write that off. But the car thing is the big saving grace for me because every time I go up to New Hampshire a lot, maybe I'm seeing my family in New Hampshire, maybe we're doing some kind of event up there, but I, have, I still have a studio in storage up there with my stuff. And oftentimes I take advantage of every one of those trips to bring back artwork that I need down here for something. That becomes a, an art expense. I, the, the size of my car is the size that it is because I truck pretty big paintings around with me. So I write down all of the repairs, all of the gas that I've gotten, all of that, and the mileage that I've spent from, from one year to the next year. And there are two ways that you can write off car mileage. You can either take a standard deduction, which is 55 cents a mile, in which case you want to make sure that you have your travel to specific areas mapped down from like something like MapQuest, or you can do specific deductions like gas repairs, all that, if that ends up being more expensive. But it usually isn't, unless you travel a lot, a lot, usually the standard deduction one is better. Miriam says, sometimes I get art supplies from other people and I can't prove that. And Lisa, thank you for following up. You shouldn't deduct supplies gifted to you. A gift is not an expense. Be really clear about that because you also don't want to be writing off stuff you're not supposed to write off. That would be not so hot. Keep all your receipts. This is again, go to the post office, get the receipts, stick it in a little envelope, hope we don't get audited because that sucks. <laughs> but if you have the receipts, it should not be such a stressful thing. How do you keep your receipts, Lauren? Most of mine are by email these days, and I just make sure that I don't delete the receipts. I, I actually love that everything is transitioned online because I used to keep a folder of receipts, and I do still have one for when I get a paper receipt and I have expenses on one side and income on the other in this folder, this, this real live folder with real live receipts. But that's gotten smaller and smaller as so many purchases and things are now online. Blue Wolf says, be careful with thermal printed receipts, like from cash registers. They fade quickly. Use a credit card or get the receipt emailed to you. Great choice. Sometimes I will scan the receipt so that way it's just all in one place. Because if it's in a manila envelope, I keep it there, but I'll forget about it if I don't log it and scan the receipts. Because it's true, old ones are going to fade over time. This is a business asset listing. This is if you have something you purchase that's over $500. And I bought this baby printmaking press that I had for 20 years until a student broke it. And I cried like a baby. <laughs> but that happened. 
But this press cost over $500 and that's a business asset listing. It's a big purchase. What have you bought that counted as a business asset listing warrant? So far, the very first business asset listing that I've done is my computer, which I bought last year. My old computer lasted me 10 years, and I'm very proud of that. So <laughs> that was my first really giant expense that I could write off. I, I, you probably know more about this than I do, Clara, since you've done it, I think, a few times. I don't even remember how I did it last year. I just went through the steps. So <laughs> feel free to expand upon this. I just give it to my accountant and they take care of it because I can't be bothered. Lisa says there are apps that scan and input receipts. Are they handy? I never used one. I probably should. Do you I, use that? I think QuickBooks does one and that is super useful. You have to pay, I think, a fee to use QuickBooks, but <laughs> I'm just kicking the can down the road. I think I think it's worth doing, probably. And Lisa explains large expenses are spread out over time. I knew that, but I didn't want to get into it because I'm not that fooled. <laughs> Again, ask your CPA. We're just ordinary artists doing taxes, guys. <laughs> not experts. Now, this is a big expense business use of home. I have an office that I use for art prof. And what you do is you calculate the square footage of how big your office is, whatever you use. If you use your garage as a studio space, you can do that. And then you figure out what is your total home square footage. And then you figure out, okay, what percentage of my house is actually used for my office. And then you get to write off all this stuff. <laughs> Home mortgage interest, if you pay rent, your internet bill, gas if you have it, water and garbage. If you renovate your office, you create a new studio space and you can write off that part of the business use of home. Do you do this right now, Lauren? No, I have never done this because... When I had started doing taxes, my studio was at my parents' house in the basement. They pay for all of these things and they write them off on their own taxes. Now I have a studio at school and I'm paying tuition for that, which is a separate kind of tax situation. So I do not write it off there either. If I get my own studio after this, I may have to start doing this. This is a lot of work. You got to go through and get all your water bills, all your rent. You got to figure out what was your mortgage interest, but it's worth it. Take the time to do this because you can write off a lot. Now, here's another thing people don't realize is if you declare a loss, let's say four years in a row, okay, you didn't make money because your expenses were bigger. You didn't make that much money. I can't remember the numbers, but at a certain point, the government decides you've declared enough losses that it's no longer a profession, but a hobby. And so what my accountant told me, he said, okay, if you get to a point where that might happen, you actually don't report some of the expenses. So you make a profit. Now you get more money back if you declare a loss, but you can't do that all the time. Yeah, this is the really tricky part. And 
There are some books that can be helpful on that that artists and taxes hobby versus profession thing. Um, we have some books that are available in the resources section on Art Prof. I, I'm blanking on the name of the book that I want to recommend right now, but <laughs> that they detail the kinds of thresholds that you need to have for it to be considered a business. Ginger Saul says the first time doing this is probably a nightmare. Would you say that's true, Lauren? Just a bad dream when you start out. <laughs> You, you, again, if you want to do your taxes and you can't pay to find someone that is, that is fancy, that knows how to do art taxes or is a very good CPA, then learn, learn some of it on your own. You, it, it will also help you know what to ask your accountant because it's kind of like going to the doctor. If you have a better understanding of what it is you're looking for, then you'll probably have a better appointment. The other thing in the U.S., there's also H&R Block, where you can go and get your taxes done. And usually H&R Block is a lot cheaper than hiring a private CPA. But yeah, you just have to get over it. Yeah, the first year kind of sucks. But once you've done it and you know what needs to be done, you're going to save a lot of money. And I've talked to art school graduates about Schedule C and they're going, what? I can do, I'm like, yes, do it. It's really worth the time. We have an Art Prof Share today. Art Prof Share is where you create work in response to our content. And a lot of you are getting into our tracks. They are a sequence of video lessons and prompts that you can do on your own time. And it's really fun for us when people finish a track because a track is not a small amount of work. It's a lot of work. I'm really impressed when anybody finishes a track because that shows a great amount of self-driven awesomeness. Anastasia has finished two tracks. She already finished the Drawing Basics track. She finished the Anatomy track. And that's really extraordinary that somebody has the motivation to put in that much work on their own. So Anastasia says that some problematic issues for me were covered and improved drawing the skeleton inside the figure tonal gesture drawings i saw the improvement in drawing feet and hands as well as understanding their anatomy aspects and also says deepest thanks to the art prof team track participants for creating the atmosphere and environment of mutual support and cooperation Here's the thing, yeah, you're doing it on your own, but we also have the Discord. There's a channel in there called Our Prof Tracks and you get to hang out with people who are doing the track and that's where you really are not on your own, right? Right, you get all of this great feedback from other people, it kind of feels like you're in a class and it's just, I, I go into these tracks sometimes even though I'm not working on them and I just, bask in the glowing cheering each other on thing going on in there by the way we have some super stickers one from rb dick and another one from sonnet thank you so much for your support we really need it let's look at anastasia's work 
It's a lot of Jessica yeah. Grimes, Lauren. This is so much. This is ridiculous. I'm so impressed with the number of figures that you've done here. And it seems like you're really getting a flow, a sense of movement and a sense of how the body is put together. And like, amazing job. It's really incredible. And Look then Anastasia... <laughs> It's my kids. I actually went through our family albums and cropped out images of their hands. And this is nice because you start with the whole figure, but then you break it down into the extremities. Because a lot of people don't draw hands and feet. They just say, oh, I didn't get to it. I'm like, come on, you've got time. Just throw in a placeholder so we can see that feet actually matter. That. Yeah, these feet too, they have so much depth in them. You can really see where that foot turns. And these hands too, you can see the bend of the fingers. The foreshortening is great. And the tension, you can see which parts of the hand are fleshy, which parts have knuckles. That's important with anatomy. A lot of people, they look at anatomy and they think, oh, bump, bump, bump. There's another bump. But you can see in Anastasia's work, especially this prompt, that she's really thinking about, hey, what is a bone? What is squishy and fleshy? What is a tense muscle? Those are all really important. And I then, Lauren, I love seeing the progression. When we yeah. saw the beginning, of course, they're quick poses. But see how volumetric these are? Yeah, I'm looking at that blue one, all of these blue ones here, I really get a sense of that form. And the bony landmarks, they're there. <laughs> Foreshortened poses, these are not easy. Foreshortening drives everybody crazy. And the other thing is that we provide reference photos. So these are all photos of Simone Biles. <laughs> and so what's <laughs> nice about the track, sometimes getting reference photos is a pain in the butt. And we take care of that for you so you can just get right to work. And I think that's a big difference, Lauren. Yeah, it gets rid of some of that friction. Sometimes people just give up because it takes so much effort to find the good references to begin with before you even start. So we're allowing you to not have to worry and just jump into the fun part or the part that takes a lot of work that will improve you. This is the final prompt, which is to create a sustained drawing of a torso that focuses on lighting and form. Isn't this beautiful, Lauren? And Anastasia told me she had never done cross-hatching until this lesson. Oh, you got to do more cross-hatching. It looks like that is, <laughs> it looks like you're having fun with it. If you want to see our tracks, they are on artprof.org. And we have many now. There's comics. I just added landscape painting basics. We're going to eventually have one for storyboarding and fantasy illustration creatures. And you get to be featured in our student galleries. And you can go through and see everybody who has finished a track. Please join Lauren and I in the ArtProf Discord right after the stream. We will be in post live streams. We can chat more about taxes. There are a lot of questions that we didn't get to. And remember, there are many ways to support ArtProf. You can make a one-time donation. You can take a premium track. These premium tracks are so much fun. We really get to know you. A lot of online courses, they just throw up a video and say, okay, go learn. But we don't do that, Lauren. 
I want to say, Clara, too, we have someone supporting us right now. Amanda yeah. Norris says, thanks for all the great info. They're feeling really good about taxes now with the cool glasses. Thank you for supporting us. These super chats are a great way for, for you to help us out here, too. So Fantasy Illustration Creatures, this is a three-week premium track. Registration is due April 1st. This is Alex's specialty. If you want to know about Fantasy Illustration, this premium track is it. Deep D is doing storyboarding. This is great if you want to do film or animation or comics. So many people don't know how to do storyboarding. So join us for three weeks and we'll work with you intensely. You can buy an artist call. These are so helpful, especially people who don't know how to get started in the industry. Again, that's very customized to the artist. And then there's always our top Patreon supporters who you are the ones keeping us alive. If we didn't have them, we'd be out. We would not exist. Uh, I'm sad. Oh, it's going down. I mean, I know $14 isn't that much, but it just feels bad. It's just a... <laughs> bummer and it's like i it's already hard enough to run this platform with the crappiest <laughs> stupidest business plan it's not really a business plan and it just bums me out i just want to i want to see it go up like a like a real stonk i want to <laughs> i'm sad because we can go up guys <laughs> We were at 4,000 and now we're down 250 from the 4,000. <laughs> like, what am I doing wrong? I'm a really crappy fundraiser. So help us <laughs> out. Plus, Patreon, it's not you just donate, you get stuff. You get access to Patreon channels in the Discord, you get access to voice, all kinds of fun stuff. So consider this. It's pretty cool. And Mary's saying, can we access the material content of the premium trucks? Yes. Those are all available. So for example, Anastasia did the anatomy track for free on her own because all the lessons are available. But if you want to take the anatomy premium track, we use that same sequence of video lessons and prompts, exact same curriculum. The difference is that you get tons of support from us. I'm in there several times a day and we type very substantial comments. So that's the difference because we really wanted people to be able to do the track even if they couldn't afford the track, because I know that's not possible for everybody. Thank you so much, everybody, for watching. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.